All right. So excited today to talk to uh, someone I met on Twitter, actually. She's been following me for a little bit and reached out and felt like she had something to say, words to say. And I'm super excited to to have Coach uh, Samantha Jones joining us here. Um, excited you. for you to be here, Coach. Thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for the invite. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I always have to start this podcast or this conversation, this interview with um, the question that most people hate to answer. Um, it talks about them a little bit and who they are and, and what they bring to the table as far as like, um, you know, all of their accolades and things like that. And, and, you know, I read up on you a little bit and you've done some good things. So um, I, I believe that uh, all of our athletes need to learn how to own their power in the world. And so part of that is speaking about who they are and you know, doing the things that like are a little bit uncomfortable. So um, we'll start with that question for you. So, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about some of the things that you've done in your past and your playing career and where you are now. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to the accomplishments, like I'm very thankful for my opportunity that I had to play collegiate softball at the University of Kentucky. And um, our first year was a little tough. And I think after our first year is when we started creating this foundation of um, cultivating a winning program. So it led to making it to regionals. And then my, my senior year was the first time ever in program history where we made it to super regionals, beating out in Michigan um, and actually hosting it at Kentucky in our small little stadium, which hopefully, you know, later on down the road, it brought it to this beautiful, one of the best SEC stadiums that um, a lot of softball programs have. So that to me is probably one of our biggest accomplishments that I can say as a class, as a whole, is um, the first ever super regional um, hosting that and then leaving a legacy for the rest of the players coming in to embrace the stadium that they're at. Um, but for me, like a lot of my accomplishments are like so far more than just athletics, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, one thing that I'm really proud about myself is uh, my son, Parker, who was born in 2017. Uh, right after he was born in August, I decided to get my master's degree. And people are probably like, you're so crazy. Like, why are you going for a master's degree? Your son was just born. You just moved to a new job up in Ohio. Um, but that was probably one of my biggest accomplishments was getting that master's degree in a year and a half while having my firstborn. Uh, my, my husband obviously being super supportive with that and, and taking care of a lot of things for me to just focus on that. Uh, another one is just giving birth to two crazy, handsome, smart boys. Um, that's a huge accomplishment for me. Absolutely. Um, and then this May is going to be my 10 years, a decade of coaching softball. So that is crazy to think about, but i um, very thankful for this opportunity to continue to do what I love. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And we're going to talk a little bit <clears throat> about like your, your children a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but one thing that you said in your accolades was that your team decided to like cultivate a culture that was going to like make you guys elevate to a, a higher standard. And, yes. you know, I'm always curious, like how those type of team dynamics, like come about, like, was it like a moment where you're like, okay, we just can't do this anymore. Was there just players there that were just kind of all in willing to kind of push themselves kind of tell us a little bit about like your team dynamic as a player. Yeah. So when we first came in there, the class of us, um, there's only, there was four of us in our class. And the one thing that we always harped on is we were the one class that stuck it out all four years. Like we stayed together. And I think what was pretty neat about our class is we all came from like championship programs. Like we all had our individual accolades, but we came from championship programs in high school and then within travel. And I think it's really important, especially when you continue to go at high levels is you got to have individuals that know how to win, right? They have, they've had that, that championship accolades that they've been getting, you know, day in and day out. 
Um, and I think that's what was different about our class. And gosh, it's, it's hard to brag about yourself a little bit. It really is <laughs> not easy. Um, so uh, I think that's what started it is, you know, after that first year, we were like, we're not having this. Like, this is not what I want. This is not our culture. Um, and so there needs to be change. And yeah. thankfully, we had a coaching staff who was, you know, kind of brand new, like Coach Lawson. That was her first year there, as well as Coach Himes. And they brought that culture as well, too. It's like, hey, like there's standards, um, there's certain expectations. If you want to have a championship culture, that starts from the small stuff, the way mm-hmm. that you carry yourself in the classroom, the way that you, um, the hard work that you put in when it comes to weights and conditioning. It has to start small in order for you to receive the big stuff. Um, the way that we practice, tucking in our shirts, not rolling our shorts three or four times, the, the little things. I'm telling you, what, like wearing your hat the right way. Oh, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, that is so military. But it's like, no, but when you do the little things right, the big things will ultimately come. Yes. Um, and so we really had to jump on board and just buy into the disciplinary, to um, the, the culture of, um, like I said, doing the small things right. And, yeah. and it led all the way from the way that we looked to the way that we practiced the way that we went to class, to the way that we showed up for games, the way that we ate, and, and just had to be a whole different type of cycle that we were put through. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that kind of started it. And uh, the more players that she brought in, the, the more championship, obviously, accolades that they've had in their past, and they just bought into it. And that's what led to you know, regionals and super regionals. And then they made it to the World Series. And you know they will continuously go there because of the culture that they have there. A hundred percent. And I love that, like, it seems as though in some ways, like <clears throat> it was also player driven, you know, like I, I know the coaches mm-hmm. kind of have, um, we always have our expectations of how we want our programs to be, but we always yeah. say like, we're not as we're not good enough until our players buy in and like yes. make sure other players buy into to the culture and what's going on and what you want to what you're looking forward to. So um, I really appreciate that. And so since we're on like your, your college uh, career and accolades right. and things like that, maybe talk to me a little bit about uh, what made you decide that the University of Kentucky was the, the right place for you to go? It was actually the first visit that I had. I had a couple other visits after that. Um, but it was the first official visit that I had. And I just fell in love with it. Now, what's different about my story, which probably a lot of athletes go through this, is the coaching staff that recruited me was not the coaching staff that I had. Um, so there was a change in that. So I really had to fall in love with the environment. I had fall in love with the opportunity um, I love the staff that recruited me and, you know, uh, I always wish like, I wonder what it would have been like to play with them, but that never leaves a regret of who I played for mm-hmm. because the way that coach Lawson, the way that coach Himes pushed me and challenged me, made me into the player that I was, made me into the person that I am. And so I'm very thankful for those opportunities. Uh, and that's what was hard. Like after my first year, you know, especially after all the losing, like, you know, you get into your head, like, man, I'm not used to this. Is this a, a fit for me? Like, I don't, I'm not, I wasn't starting. I was a freshman. Um, I had a, a senior that started ahead of me. She was the first baseman. Um, I came in as a shortstop and a catcher and they, they switched me over to first base. So a lot of like changes were happening yeah. and me being from New York, that's a 12 hour drive. There's no way that I'm going to get in a car and drive up for a weekend. Needless to say, I didn't have a car till I was a junior year anyway. So oh I had to figure it out. Right. Like, yeah. so I had, it was, it was just a new environment. Um, Kentucky is a lot different than New York with a lot of things. <laughs> so, and, and a lot of good things It it made me um, really develop who I am as a person, made me understand why I believe what I do and why I do what I do uh, and started embracing some different things that I wanted to be about. So my experience 
is something that I would never trade for the world. Um, and it's brought me so many life lessons. And even to now, I can still call up Coach Lawson and Coach Himes and seek advice and wisdom from them because of that relationship, because I, the respect that I have for them. And I think that's really important when you are choosing a school is choose a school that you love the environment, that you can see yourself there for the four or five years without a coaching staff or without a team, because you never know. Um, but I was very thankful with my opportunity and very honestly blessed with my opportunity because I had a coaching staff that poured into me, um, and a coaching staff that challenged me to the core of me. Um, yeah. and I think when you can have someone that challenges you, uh, they really respect you and really want the best for you. Oh, if, if athletes could understand that on so many different levels, like yeah. the fact that like when a coach is pushing you, like there's, there's, yeah. a, there's a reason why they, they see the potential in you right it's just a matter of like how do we get it out of you and sometimes right. athletes can crumble at that like expectation or the pressure of like someone actually wants me to do well sure. um, and i'm just curious you know have you ever experienced any sort of like like mindsets where like that where you're kind of just like man like they're just always on me like how do i get past this um any advice for for athletes that, that go through that type of moments in their life yeah it like there were multiple times where i'm like man i feel like i can't catch a break and the one thing that I kept coming back to is I got to communicate, right? Like I have to talk, like at some point in time, I need to mature and I need to have a, a responsible, mature conversation with my coaching staff and, and see what are the expectations? Like what, what expectations do you have for me? Yeah. What am I doing that is not beneficial for this team? Maybe that's not beneficial for me. And what are some things that I can improve on? Because if I don't have that conversation, I will continue, and this all goes to just mental health, I will continue to negative self-talk myself. Yeah. And I can talk myself out of anything. So until we can get to a point where you finally say in your head, enough is enough, I need to know the truth, and I want to know the truth, you've got to have that conversation. You've got to get uncomfortable with it. Because it's not easy stepping in the door to your coach, who in a sense is like your boss, and having this uncomfortable conversation with them to figure out what you need to do better. But those conversations, those hard conversations, those end of the year eval meetings, they prepared me to have conversations now in the job with my boss, with my supervisor. Yes. What can I do more of? You know, what what did, what would be more beneficial? You know, what are some improvements? What are some things that I'm doing well at that you want to see more of? Absolutely. But if we don't put ourselves out there and we're not willing to have those conversations, we limit ourselves. And, and we've got to get past this uncomfortable level. We've got to get past this level of I'm not wanting to communicate fully. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so many uh, <laughs> moments and nuggets in there that are so valuable and so important. And I'm curious, like uh, talking about, you know, Coach Larson and like, you know, your travel ball career. Mm -hmm. um, and there's thinking about the idea of communication and learning how to be able to do that and, and, and like trying to figure out expectations. Um, you know, would you say that like you had mentors that kind of talked you through that stuff or how did you kind of figure that thing out? Like, did you have any mentors that worked with you on that type of stuff or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I had not only did I have mentors, I had a community. Um, I honestly had a lot of trial and error. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. sometimes those are the best lessons that you'll ever receive is just yeah. trial and error. And I went through a lot of hardships in college and a lot of like I said, just uncomfortability. I mean, yeah. I still have that now where I'm just learning how to communicate because every person's going to be different, right? Like you to be able to reach somebody, you've got to know them. You've got to build yes. that relationship with them. And so I can't communicate to one person the same way that I want to communicate to another person. It's it's all individualized and that oh, takes yeah. time and that takes intentionality. Yes. Um, and that's what I'm learning. I've, I've learned that honestly, just in with my own relationship with my spouse is just 
there has to be an intentional level of communication and really knowing who you are. Because I, like, again, I can't speak to you like I'm speaking to my team. It's completely different. Yeah. So communication styles, understanding individuals, um, a lot of that has been trial and error. Um, my parents have helped me through that. My, my past coaching staffs obviously um, have helped me through that. My, my time at Kentucky and honestly being married has helped me understand how to just navigate and what it really means to be intentional and yeah. what does it really mean to have open communication. Uh, it's true. Um, marriage does do that to you too. Yeah, sure does. <laughs> You're kind of stuck trying to figure it out. You're like, okay, well, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, um, so with, with all the girls, like I work with specifically like one-on-one, -on -one, uh, we mm -hmm. actually do like these disc personality assessments. Yeah. And what we do with that is like, first of all, like you're talking about, like learning about who we are, like, how do we get value and how do we get like what we need out of certain relationships? But also, how do we communicate with other people, like based on like their personality types? Um, right. So it's really interesting that you said that, because I think that's a really important, important part of like the one on one that I do with certain athletes. It's the fact that like we're learning like our own innate behaviors, um, but how they affect other people and how other people see us based on like our personality types. Mm -hmm. um, and then how do we communicate with them so that they, 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 they get what they need and we get what we need as well. Yeah. So that's um, the beauty of a team, right? That's what I love about a team. It's just, that's diversity. Yes. And one of itself is just, we all have all these different personalities, right? We all have these different styles and, and to truly be your authentic self, you've got to be able to come in spaces and be able to just be open with yourself to actually know who you are and for others to know who you are. And we all just need to respect and accept that. Yeah. So I can't expect you to change. And I think that's what I learned a lot about myself in this coaching world, especially since I started at such a young age. I was always trying to mold. And a lot of us coaches do this. We always try to mold athletes into this cookie cutter thing. And it's like, yeah. that's not what a team is, right? right. Like that's not buy-in. They're going to buy in for a certain period of time. And then they're going to get burned out because Absolutely. it was never truly what they wanted. But if we can really fully understand who these people are, what makes them tick, what motivates them, their authentic selves, how do they communicate, building those relationships, that's when you get buy-in because that's when you're learning about them and it's ultimately showing that you care about them. Absolutely. So it, that's the challenge is just getting all these individuals that are so different in so many different ways to mesh and to work together. It's that's the coaching. best part. It's the best part about being a coach. I think it's the, yeah. the best part about the profession that we're in is the ability to have to be adaptable and adjust and be flexible and and truly learn the person and, and then want the best for the person. So yes. um, I love that, that all the things that you're saying um, when, you, when you talk about that stuff. And so, you know, kind of moving along to like, now you're in the career of coaching, um, yeah. kind of maybe what made you decide that, hey, I'm gonna take this route and, and I'm gonna just kind of write it out. What was your kind of path to, to coaching? It wasn't, I was not supposed to be a coach. <laughs> I had my plan. Um, I, I'm a very, I'm a checklist type of person. I had my plan set out when I was in sixth grade. I was supposed to be a PE teacher and I was supposed to be a high school coach. And, and I'm, I'm a believer of faith and faith. God just steered me in a different direction. You know, I, I made some choices and um, he redirected me. I, I got a di completely different degree, um, wow. exercise science. Um, I was coaching at a high school as an assistant coach for a little bit. I was giving lessons and all of a sudden the call just came in of, hey, at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, they're looking for an assistant college coach. Samantha, I think you should apply for it. Boom, I applied for it. And I was there for four years. And then after that, I uh, got a job as assistant coach at Miami for two, and then got a call for here. And so now I'm going into my fourth year here at Morris State. So 
No, it was never the plan in my plan. Right. And that's the thing. It was never my plan, but um, in his plan, it was, Hey, you've got your purpose for me is to lead young women and to maybe use your life experiences, continued life experiences, because obviously I'm continuously keep growing of to teach them and to guide them in this path, because it can get pretty sticky in college and you can learn a lot about yourself or you can fall in some holes. And so yeah. I think that's why I'm here. Like I'm here. I love the sport. Don't get me wrong. I love winning and yeah. I want to win championships. Right. But at the end of the day, I know my greater purpose. My greater purpose yeah. is to help these women become strong, um, become leaders in themselves and, yeah. and just be their authentic selves. Yeah. I love that. And I have a similar story kind of to you, uh, you know, after graduating undergrad, it was kind of like, I was lost. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, and I have all these different avenues that I can go. And um, for some reason, like I, I went, like I worked in operations for like a minor league baseball team and, oh, cool. and, and then it was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go maybe work for a team, maybe do operations or some sort of like administration at, at that level. And, and um, sure enough, like I went there and my boss connected me with this guy that does the floors at the stadium and he has like a 10 U softball team <laughs> and oh, basically awesome. like, can you come help? And then from there, just kind of like, okay, you did this now. Hey, this high school was looking for a coach. Okay. Well, this middle school is looking for a coach. And then it just progressed to there's a college in California that's looking for mm-hmm. a, an assistant coach that is voluntary. Yeah. Maybe they need someone who's like a local. And I'm like, well, I'm not local, but I was born there. So my yeah. mom is there. And so it's true. Like God has a funny way of like, you know, setting your, 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 your path for you, you know, having your plan already figured out. And sometimes you got to just roll with it. Yeah. Um, Throw your hands up. Okay. Here we go. And it's been the best ride ever. It's been, there's been challenges. There's been times, you know, coaching is really hard, but um, on so many levels from, from financial to whatever, but it's also so rewarding and so blessing to be a part of it. So um, curious, you know, you, you basically said, you know, you know, the greater purpose in coaching and I'm curious uh, to know a little bit more of like, you know, maybe how your background prepared you mm-hmm. in, in some sort of way to kind of, to lead these young women, uh, to empower them to be the better, best versions of themselves. Yeah, I think it probably started for me when I was in high school. Um, I had a lot of individuals that never believed in me to be able to go to the University of Kentucky. Like, I'm just a big fish in a small pond, right? And so I really needed people to pour into me. Um, I wasn't as probably as the most confident, honestly, in myself. And I think that continues to grow each day, knowing who I am and who I am for. So it, it honestly started that motivation back then, um, because I had a lot of, like I said, I had a lot of individuals that didn't really believe in me and I want individuals, I want women to be believed in. They need to have confidence. And yes, I know there's the self part, right? We've got to be able to feed it to ourselves, but it's always helpful to have a support system. And especially with this day and age, like you know, there's just a lot of discrepancies when it comes to women. There's a lot of things that are not for women. Yeah. And the more that we can continue to fight for each other, the more that we can continue to advocate for each other, the more that we can be at these tables, right? The higher positions that we can have, the, the money margins, the margins won't be so, so big and far and being between. So like, yeah. there's so much more to it. And it's just about building this confidence, building mm-hmm. this uh, this group of women to feel strong in themselves, to feel confident in what they can do, what they bring to the table, um, and know that they can make a difference, that it's what they have is something special. Oh. And not not everyone can get, no, actually, no one can do what you do. You do. And it's finding the confidence in what that is and recognizing what that is. 
because a lot of people are going to try to mimic that and they're never going to be the same. That's why it makes it so special for these individuals to understand who they are. Why do you do what you do? Why do you believe what you believe? What do you bring to this table? What are you great at? And you've got to bring that day in and day out. And I think that's the struggle, right? That's the struggle a lot of women are is now there's this high level of expectation of you've got something. Well, show me what you have. You have little room for error. Mm. And that's not fair. That's fair. Um, but that's what we got to deal with. That's what we have to work with. So yeah. it's, again, it's a committing thing. It's raising strong women up, kind of like what you're talking about in, in your podcast is is just being confident in ourselves and moving in a direction where we are advocating for all women yes. to succeed in this world. So many things you said there that like, are like trigger the next question. Um, but I do want to take it because I think it's important to hear um, the people didn't believe in you and yeah. your ability to play at the University of Kentucky. And I think that is something that probably a lot of people who listen, who are going to listen to me uh, are going to like struggle with um, yeah. because I feel like my calling is not just women, but I almost feel like it's the underdog mm. women, the ones who like aren't in the elite a hundred. They aren't, you know, the nationally known type of teams that they play on. Like yeah. they're the athletes who are kind of the ones who are like under the radar, but are good enough. And if they just realize and like believe in themselves and have people that believe in them, um, they can still accomplish the things that they need to accomplish. So just curious, like, you know, how did you work through you know, the negativity of other people and still believing in yourself to push forward for that goal? Yeah, I really had to pour into myself. I read a lot of books. I read a lot of motivational books, yeah. uh, whether it was leadership books or just um, getting into the word, um, yeah. being surrounded by people that supported me. Um, I feel like I'm a huge believer in when you're around negative people, you can also become negative. So be very careful of who your circle is. Uh, so there was a lot of times where I had to stray away from individuals that I didn't feel like were beneficial for me, especially in that time of my life yes. where I was at a high influence. Yes. So I really need to be surrounded by individuals that I felt like were going to push me, um, support me and just love on me because that's all we really need. Um, yeah. when you start getting that type of confidence, it's like riding a tricycle, right? Like you keep grinding, keep grinding and take the wheels off and you just keep going. And that's what yeah. it kind of feels like. It's just a progression. Um, like we're, I'm also at that stage where I'm learning and I've been learning this probably for the past couple of years now. I want athletes to get it out of their head. And a lot of it has to do with travel coaches. And a lot of it has to do with parents. If you don't make it to division one, you're less than that is completely the opposite. Like no matter what division, no matter what level you go at, there is an opportunity for a championship. And let's talk about that. The goal behind all this is to get a degree. So is to get a job to continue to build on your career, to be yep. successful, raise a family, whatever it may be, right? So yeah, we all want to win championships, but division one is not more elite than a division two, II, division three, NAI yep. or JUCO. You can win a championship at any single one of them. Yep. But if we can start releasing this pressure that we're putting on these athletes, as far as if you, if you got to make it here, it's only here, right? Yeah. It's nowhere else. Or you're, ah, you went to division two. Nah, that's okay. No, celebrate it. Yes. I got a scholarship. I got a full ride scholarship to go to division two. Celebrate that. You don't have Absolutely. to pay to be able to get out of college and not have any debt and to get a degree and a job. Are you kidding me? That's the goal. Yes, ma'am. So I can win a championship at a division one school, or maybe let's say not even, let's not even championship. I came in fifth place every single year at a division one school. And maybe I only played two of the years. 
But guess what? Now I come out of school and I have a job and now I have a hundred thousand dollars in loans. Yes. And you're going to tell me, you're going to look back at that and be like, mm, I probably should have went to the other route. Like we got to think about this. Like we got to yeah. think deeper. I understand the goal. I understand the eliteness of it. I understand all of that, but I also understand like there's a bigger picture here. There's a bigger yes. purpose. Here. And if we release this pressure that we're putting on these, these kids, like these yeah. children, these individuals, then maybe they would actually make the choice that they want to because some student athletes don't just want to be an athlete they want to go into fraternity and sororities they want to go be two sport or three yes. sports they want to go be in the student government and unfortunately some division one schools and i'm not saying all of them but unfortunately yep. some of them won't allow you to they'll do that some of them that. won't even allow you to pursue the degree that you want to what? pursue so now you change your degree yeah what <clears throat> yeah you can't be a nurse here well, then I want to be a nurse. So I just, I'm not going to go there. Can't so go there. Like, you have to think about that. It's, it's bigger than those four years. Absolutely. You know, it's bigger than those five years. So yeah. I don't know. I really wish, I hope one day it clicks that we as parents, we as coaches at all levels, we can release this pressure and the stress that division one is the high end on the pedestal. It's not, we're all the same here. Yeah. Right? We all can win championships. Yeah. We're all coming out with a degree. One just happens to maybe get more clothes than the other. One just happens to be a little bit bigger of a school, yes. a little bigger of a stadium, right? Like yep. that's all it is. Yeah. It's superficial. <laughs> really, <clears throat> in a lot of regards, it's the ability to put the name on your social media. And it's just like yeah. when you get there though, uh, like can you can you can you survive? Like yeah, there's so many athletes they think like, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I've been blessed, like being here and like our four freshmen that are here, like they're just amazing awesome people and also really great athletes and you know it's really cool to like actually be in the experience and like feel like mm -hmm. them um because i know i've heard so many stories right but i've never actually been a part of it and and i can say that not all athletes that go into these programs are like this but they come in being like top of their class and you know they're like yeah. they were the top recruited class you know we we had the top recruited class last year and they, these kids are here now and Luckily, they're living up to that, but there's a lot of times that pressure comes in and because I'm at this level now, like I can't actually compete there mentally. Like right. I can do the things physically, but like now it's like everybody here is elite, right? And yes. how am I measuring myself and my successes? Uh, am I comparing myself to other people? Am I like thinking about the opinions of what everybody else is saying? Like, you know, mm -hmm. am I trying to be super perfect? Like what are the things that are like holding me back from right. actually being the best level that I can be at, you know, here? Right. Um, so I think that brings a good question on the, the fact of like defining success. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, as an athlete, uh, I think it's important for athletes to learn how to define success. So every time I work, I work with athletes, you know, whenever they say things that's like, you know, I want to be the best at this or I want to do well at this or I, I always like ask, like, well, what does that exactly mean? Like, tell me what mm -hmm. that means. Like, what does that look like if you were to draw yeah. it in the picture? Like, give me some actual measurables of what that looks like, you know, like, um, and, and not based on what you think other people say it is. Like, what does that mean? So um, I think it's two part. Number one is like, how do we help our athletes better define success? But as a parent, you, as mm -hmm. you being a parent, um, I always want to know also, like, how do we help our, our athletes as parents be better at defining success for them as well? Yeah, I might be completely off the wagon on this one. So this, this will be fun. Um, so I'll give my own personal experience, my okay. son, Parker, who is four now, um, this past fall, he's, uh, he started playing soccer. And so 
we'd have two games a week and then you'd have like one or two practices a week. And it was just, it was really exciting. It was an exciting time for my husband and I to just really support him. Yeah. And the more, uh, we got into the season, the more I started to step back and be like, man, what, if I was this age again, or if I was playing again, what would I have wanted to hear, you know, when I played and it really came back to, of just supporting Parker and, and playing not how many goals he scored, not how many assists or passes, his throw-ins, all that stuff. It was literally just coming to him. Like, I really enjoyed play, watching you play today. Uh-huh. Um, I loved how you were such a good teammate today and you were cheering on your teammates when they scored. And I, I appreciate your effort and everything that you did. I, I loved it and I can't wait for the next game. And that's uh-huh. it. That's it. And just kept it simple. I wasn't talking about, well, you should have passed it this way. Hey, next time don't pick up the ball in the middle of the soccer field. Like all these little things that we could probably nitpick, which we parents do, we nitpick is it can easily push a child away from wanting to play that game. No wonder why so many student athletes have burnout, especially if they get into the car after the game. And the first thing that they hear is the things that maybe they didn't accomplish on the field, or maybe they got two things that they did well, but then six things that they didn't do well. And so for me, it's redefining the success of really focusing on just his effort, his attitude, just him as a teammate, and just the joy of me watching him play. Because if a kid, and I'm hoping this with Parker, and this is how I'm able to tell his story. Parker loves soccer. And the reason I know he loves soccer now is he's wanting to practice it every day. Not by me asking it, not by my husband asking, just by him like, hey, do you want to play soccer? Sure, we can play. And then we'll just play like that. And then he'll ask me like, oh, how do I get the ball in the air? Oh, well, let's try it this way. And so it's, if we can start looking at it from that perspective of if we don't force something, if someone truly desires it, it'll come, it'll come natural. And he'll want to do that. He'll want to be the best. He'll want to continue to practice. And I think that's one thing that we could probably change as parents and maybe even as coaches is not so pressing so much in the X's and O's, not pressing so much on what did they succeed on the field? How about we just press on the intangibles? And we always talk about that. I always talk about that at camp. At camp. Yeah. They always ask like, what do you look for in the crew? I'm like, and I always go straight to, it's the intangibles. How are you respecting people? How are yes. you as a teammate? How are you loving others? Are you selfless? Like, mm. how is your energy? Um, and I think the more that we focus on that, the more that they can feel successful in those areas. Because in all honesty, again, at the end of the day, there's a very small percentage that are gonna go professional. And the women that do go professional, there's a huge discrepancy in pay. So um, what does our focus got to be on? It's got to be on the characteristics of us. Can't be on the averages. It can't be on the errors. Can't be on all those different, the stats. So I think it's really important to just change our mindset as parents and coaches of what should we be focusing on um, when it comes to teaching and guiding our young student athletes. Absolutely. And it's amazing. Just like you said, like when you, you come from it at an angle where you're like supporting the athlete on its own, takes their own initiative to want to be better and ask questions that you then can help them with, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I love that, that example that you gave with your son, like that's, it's literally the epitome of like how you can make that dynamic change. Um, So that's awesome. And then you mentioned something about confidence a little bit earlier and how Mm -hmm. every day is still a journey that you're a part of and you're going on and same for me. And I think it's for most women across the country in the world. Like every day we have to remind ourselves that we are, we are enough. We are valuable. We are unique. We are powerful, mm-hmm. you know, and, and literally my affirmations right there. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> excuse me. But 
Um, where do you think like your confidence comes from? Like what things do you need to do? Like if I had to put in a mixing pot of like things that make you confident, what would that look like? Do you think? God, um, myself and that's it. No, yeah. I mean, those two, like those are the only two that I can really rely on is God and myself because, yeah. um, I have to feed that to myself every day because when I feel like I'm not getting that or receiving that from somebody else, I can get empty really fast. Mm. And in order to continue to thrive, not just survive, but in order to thrive in this world, I've got to fill myself up. Uh I've got to have my affirmations of I am enough. I am created for this moment right now. I am beautiful. I am intelligent. Mm. I am driven. And like you said, with your own words of affirmation, you've got to feed that stuff to yourself. Yes. And if people are not feeding that to you, you don't have to be around them. Uh-uh. You have a choice. Everyone has a choice. Control what you can control. If I feel like someone's not beneficial for me, someone is not giving me life or giving me or, or just giving me feeding into that power, that confidence, I don't have to be around that person. That's not uh-huh. helping me in my journey of where I want to go. And where I want to go is I want to be strong, my shoulders back, confident, and continue to be successful for my children and for myself. So yeah, it, it really comes down to just those two. Absolutely. Um, and I pour myself daily into, uh, devotions and just reading yes. books. And, um, I, I'm also very thankful that I have a good support system that people that love me, um, yes. not only are honest with me, but they do it in a, a loving way. Right. right. Uh, but then just myself, like I've got, it's got to come from within. I've got to love myself first before I can love anybody else. And before I can receive love from anybody else, if I don't know how to love myself, how are you going to love me? If I can't even tell you, if I don't know how to speak good things to myself, myself. I'll never be able to receive the same things that you're trying to speak because I don't even believe it in myself. Mm. So it is so important. I think it's so important. It's got to start with yourself. It has Absolutely. To. Absolutely. Self-talk. hundred yes. That is, that is uh, literally the number one source <laughs> of confidence for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I got two questions left and and one is, you know, I don't know if it's, we'll keep it NCAA um, safe. Um, okay, okay. I just think that everyone should like, you know, since I talk to college coaches, it's kind of cool to hear about, you know, your school. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, a, if there's a way to do that in a way that just uh, that's NCAA rec- okay. Um, yeah, but yeah. I like to hear like, you know, where are you at? Like, you know, what are some good things about your school? Not necessarily about your program, but about the school sure. itself. Baby, what do you think? Yeah, sure, sure. We can definitely do that. So obviously Moorhead State is in Moorhead, Kentucky. Uh, It's probably about an hour and 15 from Lexington. It's beautiful. It's absolutely, if you're a nature person, if you love being outdoors, um, we're right in the smack uh, smack of uh, National Boone Forest. Uh, So it is absolutely gorgeous, especially my favorite time is spring and fall when the leaves are changing colors and the flowers are blooming. Um, I love the setting of our field. Again, it's just as if you just took a piece out of a hill or a mountain, you just put us there. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. You've got an amazing space science program. All of our education programs are are, are great. Um, But again, what makes Moorhead so special is the family atmosphere, uh, but then also just where it's sitting at. You know, it's just a beautiful campus. It's small. It's not too big. It's not too small, but it's perfect, right? It's just the perfect size for an individual that wants to feel like they are seen mm. um, and maybe that they matter on campus or, or maybe someone knows their name. And so that's what I really love about um, this school is just the opportunities to embrace uh, the environment, the ability to embrace other individuals because of the close-knit family that it has. Oh my gosh. 
I love it. And I gotta, I gotta go visit there one day. Yeah, <laughs> come on down. <laughs> um, um, that, that's awesome. And then, you know, back to just the whole aspect of like, um, our athletes learning how to know who they are, what their strengths mm-hmm. they bring to the table, like basically owning their power in the world is what I like to call it and, and being their most authentic self. And so yes. my final question is always, uh, what's one trait that you believe every female athlete should have to own her power in the world? Uh, compassion. Uh, I think hundred percent compassion because um, it can get very lonely when you're seeking mm-hmm. power. And when you have compassion or empathy for others, you have this mindset that you're not going to just try to make it on your own. You're going to be bringing others along and us as women, we need to continue to advocate for each other and to lift all of us up because if one woman succeed, we need all of us to succeed. Um, So I think compassion is just going to be huge, especially if we want women to be where they need to be and where they have every right to be. Oh, I love it. That is awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, that is the end of our conversation for today. So I really appreciate your time and, and thank you and uh, look forward to watching you guys uh, compete this, this year. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. I've had some fun.